This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlanski. As always, I'm joined by Nick Horat, who's back from his trip to South Carolina, as I just found out. I knew he went on a trip. I didn't even think to ask where he was going. I was just like, wow, enjoy the week. That's basically, I was like, it doesn't matter where it is. It's a nice to have a week off. So Horwat, hope you're refreshed and ready to talk Penguins hockey, because there's a lot to talk about. Is there ever? I missed a lot, sort of. I missed a lot of nothing, I think, is what it really boiled down to. Clearly, uh, we had recorded prior to the John Cooper explosion, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure I would have had thoughts on, but have kind of totally forgotten about because we beat them and they lost and they can suck it up. All I know about John Cooper is those are big words coming from the team that just won back-to-back cups. Mm -hmm. Leave it at that. Uh, what else happened? Oh, I got irrationally, same game, I got irrationally angry about the Lightning pulling their goalie again with seven minutes left. Yep. Again, I don't need to get into it. It's just a loser mentality, in my opinion. Um, and then a lot of nothing, because it was a lot of rumors, which, in reality, isn't much, technically. Unless you have, you know, sustainable, hard copy facts, it's nothing. It's a bunch of word vomit. <laughs> Yeah, the weeks leading up to the NHL trade deadline, which we are now, as of this recording, 11 days away from. A lot of it is speculation, rumor mill, this could possibly happen, maybe an inkling of one thing or another. And you know what? It's fun to a certain extent, but at at some point, you just look at it and you say, at least from my standpoint, just let me know what the trade is. Let me know what this roster is going forward so we can focus back up on the actual game instead of just this rumor mill and the ghosts of reporters past through left and right on Twitter. Yeah. How many times has a rumor, like the ones we've been hearing, how many times in the past years have we heard a rumor like that weeks before the deadline? And that's exactly what happens. Almost never. I don't think any of us were expecting Jeff Carter. I don't think any of us heard about a Jeff Carter rumor until that day, which is, that if it's that day, that's different, mm-hmm. because that means it's in the midst of happening, yeah. and it's coming from probably a legit reporter. Not not that these people aren't legit reporters, but not uh, heads behind a desk. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys are reporters. They are Big J journalists as well. They are reporting the news that they hear, so you have to give them the credit, but it's a little different whenever it is like a Chris Johnston or a Uh, Frank Cervalli, for that matter, Mm -hmm. whoever has the inside scoop on all of this, those are the guys you lean toward first. Uh, The heads behind a desk are secondary, but as always, tertiary. That blue check mark that we just fall in love with. And also, if you want to, you want to get, you want to get away from the blue check mark, fake people, uh, all those fake accounts. Keep your Twitter on light mode, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. (laughs) Easy fix. Easy, easy fix. And. I know all you dark mode fans out there are cringing, but I'll tell you what, I don't fall for fake twi- for uh, fake verified accounts. Yeah, I don't either, but I also have it on dark mode, and I don't want it on light mode. So if you're like me and you like you're dark smart. mode, uh, then you just know to double check before you retweet anything. It is that type of season where you see perguins or penguins or whatever. So just make sure that it's the actual account before you retweet it, because otherwise you're going to get yourself excited and, and 
it's already enough to get excited about with the trade deadline season. So we'll talk about a lot of stuff between the Penguins and the Canucks that has been in the news as of late. Rumor mill, we'll actually get into that a little bit later in the episode. We're actually going to review Sidney Crosby Rookie Year, the audiobook. That'll be in the second segment, so we have that. It's a Thursday episode, so you know shout-outs and call-outs are coming your way. That'll be at the end, but first and foremost, let's talk about Tuesday night's game. Because it was a really good game. It was a really entertaining game between two of the top teams in the NHL's Eastern Conference. Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the Florida Panthers. Unfortunately for the Penguins, they fall in this one 4-3 in regulation, which is a little bit tough to swallow. But if you look at the way they played, I'm not all that upset at what happened. Let's go down through the game notes really quickly, and then we'll discuss about it. I mean, the Pens were absolutely dominated by the Panthers in the first period. They were trailing 2 to nothing after 1. If you look at the analytics, it said that it was a little bit even and actually leaned the Penguins' way. I didn't see it that way. I thought the Penguins got absolutely blown their doors off in the first period. They were down 2 to nothing. It could have been a lot worse. Thankfully, Tristan Jari was on his game. Specifically, Kasperi Kapanen was extremely bad. I counted like three or four missed passes in the first period, plus a porch back check that led to the first goal of the game for Sam Reinhart. So that's just the beginning of the night for Kasperi Kapanen. We'll get into that. Moving into the second period, the Penguins score two goals in nine seconds to tie it up. Brian Russ was the first goal scorer. Jake Gensel notches the second goal. All of a sudden, it's a tied game. The Penguins are back in it. They're playing really well. Then they take a penalty. Duclair of the Florida Panthers scores a power play goal, puts Florida back up 3-2, to two, and that is where we stood after two periods of play. In the third period, the Penguins were pushing. They controlled a lot of the play. They had a lot of the puck possession, and then a bad pinch by Chris Letang leads to the game-winning goal eventually by Carter Verhage on a two-on-one rush. The Penguins push it late, get a goal by Sidney Crosby, making it four straight games with a goal for Sid, but they end up falling, like I said at the beginning of this, 4-3 to three in regulation. So let's start here, Horwat. What did you overall think of this game between the Pens and the Panthers? Do you think that this would be a good playoff series if we ended up seeing it? I mean, I know it would be probably a conference finals, but do you think the Penguins could stock up in a seven-game series against this team? I think so. <clears throat> Florida still has that hump to get over, and they have to find a way to do it. Uh, sometimes For some teams, it just takes a little longer to get over set hump. Uh, others can just do it overnight I don't know if the Florida Panthers are a team that can do it overnight especially since they've been knocking at the door for years now we I can remember being in college talking about the Florida Panthers and they are fighting for a playoff spot and they should get in because they are a good fun team they didn't make it that year but now clearly they're gonna easily make it this year it's just a matter of holding on to it and sustaining momentum Mm -hmm. that's hard to do especially for a team that might not have all the experience in the world. I don't know exactly the extent of their experience, but it's not the same as, say, a Tampa Bay Lightning or a Pittsburgh Penguins at this point, mm-hmm. or even a Washington Capitals for this point. They're still they've still a bunch of young guys that need to learn to grow. And go oh, and then Radko Gudis. Uh, it's a weird team, but overall, with the like, that playoff series would be interesting. It'd be wild for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, that would be an entertaining series. Yeah, I would like that as well. I mean, they do have Joe Thornton there. I know he's currently injured, but I mean... Forgot about that. There's all sorts of experience with him and Patrick Hornquist, but I get what you mean. A lot of their players, you know, they're Carter Verhage's. You look at your Sasha Barkov, Jonathan Hubro. These guys have been to the playoffs. They haven't been on a deep run. Now, that's 
like most of their star players, when you look at even Reinhardt and Sam Bennett, they're both coming from teams that, I mean, for Reinhardt, it's Buffalo. They were never in the playoffs. And for Bennett, he came from what? Calgary. So they made the playoffs, but they never really went on a run. So these guys, I think the early portion of the playoffs, I mean, they're just as leveled off as anybody else. But once they get deep into the playoffs, that's when you have to see if the guys like Hornfist and Joe Thornton can implement the type of experience that they're going to need to go deep in a, in a playoffs run. I think it would be a really good series. I think we saw, honestly, a peak matchup on Tuesday. I, I think we got the best from both teams, and that's even considering the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins only played 75% of their forwards in the final thir- in the final period. They sat an entire forward line throughout the entirety of a third of the game, and it was still a really good game. I think that speaks to how good the top tier of the Penguins is, but I also think it speaks to how good the Florida Panthers are in general, that they can still have these offensive powerhouses, that they can dominate the Penguins like they did in the first period, and that they can play the defensive style and hold on, and also have the goaltending in Sergei Bobrovsky to be able to hold on when they're getting outplayed like they were in the second and third periods. Yeah, Sergei Bobrovsky has found his game, and for those uh, three Penguin forwards that just got straight up benched, we'll have a discussion, we'll have a talk with them and about them, because it's not it's not fun. And also, yeah, this Florida Panthers team, I just want to quickly uh, note it because I was looking for it. The last time the Florida Panthers won a playoff series, uh, I don't know about you. No, you wouldn't have been. Me and you weren't born yet. It was 1996, 1996 when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yep. They haven't won a playoff round since. They've been, they've made it a couple times, but lost in the opening rounds or the <clears throat> excuse me, or the qualifying round mm-hmm. in the bubble. So, yes, they have guys that have experience. They don't have team experience, mm-hmm. though. So, they have a hump to get over. They do. Come for their playoff situation. And as for the game, though, yeah, they look like a good team. They look like a team that can do something. It's just a matter of finding their groove. Yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed watching it. This is the last time the Pens and the Panthers are going to play in the regular season. If they match up in the playoffs, it'll be a really good seven-game series. That'll probably go, I mean, I would imagine it goes six to seven. But let's talk a little bit about the Penguin side of things. Obviously, like you mentioned, we'll get to the three guys that got benched. We're actually going to close out this discussion with that. But let's talk really quickly about Teddy Bluger's return. Because after five weeks on the shelf, due to a broken jaw at the hands of Brendan Dillon of the Winnipeg Jets, Teddy Bluger finally returned with the full bubble. And honestly, I was very excited that he was coming back. You were excited that he came back. Good thing you didn't place that anytime goal scorer bet on him. I uh, I would not have tailed you on that. Because he still is a fourth liner. But to be completely honest, his line played exceptionally well. I really liked what I saw from Zach Aston Reese, Teddy Bluger, and Brock McGinn. What did you think of the return of Teddy? I thought he played really well. I thought he had a few legitimate chances to score, actually. It wasn't just pulling chains or anything like that. I mean, the Penguins are a team that thrive on just oddities like that, where it's his first game back no matter who the player is, or it's his first game back against a former team, he's bound to have a good game or put up some chances. So I just figured it'd be a fun little text. I don't know. I didn't mean anything <laughs> of it, obviously. Yeah. I don't I don't think I have the DraftKings app anymore. Um, and clearly I prefaced all of that sentiment with, I'm not a betting man, because yeah. I'm not. And clearly there's a reason for it. The one time I bet on the Kansas City Chiefs, they almost screwed me over. They went to overtime. Yeah. Uh, that being said... Uh, yeah, it's 
Teddy Teddy Bluger being back in this lineup is so helpful. I don't like that they took Brian Boyle out for it, but then again, it's hard to transition to a wing sometimes. You just got to know what that player is comfortable with and how they're going to play in a wing position. But, I mean, at this point, I'd have him in over quite a few people. Mm-hmm. So, but as for Bluger, it's good to see him back. That's the guy we need. Our penalty kill can finally look decent again. Not that it wasn't looking, not that it was looking bad yeah. without him, but... It's good to have the reassurance again. Yeah, the penalty kill for the Pittsburgh Penguins is just on a completely other level whenever Teddy Bluger is in the lineup. And you did see that on the second penalty kill for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The first one, the Florida Panthers kind of had their way with the Penguins, and that was the one that Anthony Duclair was able to score the goal to put him back up 3-2. to two. But also, I mean, in his first game back, he actually got a decent amount of responsibility placed on his shoulders. He had a decent amount of ice time as well. And I did like the decision by Mike Sullivan to go back to basically his right-hand line, which he obviously loves his top six in Mike Sullivan, but he absolutely loves Zach Aston Reese, Teddy Bluger, and formerly Brandon Tanev and now Brock McGinn. That line is his bread and butter. He absolutely loves deploying it. And honestly, you kind of see why. Not only did Teddy Bluger come back in the lineup and look pretty good, especially after a five-week layoff, I thought Brock McGinn looked like he had a little bit more jump in his game, and I thought Zach Aston Reese was much, much better than we have seen him ever without Teddy Bluger. I think you have to finally realize, I mean, everybody has said it, but you really have to realize, especially in that game, how much better Zach Aston Reese is when Teddy Bluger is his line mate. I mean, he had several opportunities. He almost scored a goal early in the first period, and all together he played such a good game and looked much faster he looked like his position was much more integral on this team and I love the fact that when it comes down to the fact that Mike Sullivan had to cut lines he had to shorten his bench it was his first second and fourth line that tells you that listen you have the depth that's there you just need to round out some of the edges and I think we'll obviously discuss that about the three players that were benched about our opinions on all three of them but whenever you'd have a fourth line that you can rely on and you can match up against other teams and be as confident as Mike Sullivan is in Bluger, Aston Reese, and McGinn, that is a really good sign moving forward, especially heading into an Eastern Conference playoffs that is going to be tough and just laden with teams with tons of depth. Yeah, you're going to need the depth to battle back. We need the bottom six to do literally anything. And that's probably what this trade deadline is going to come down to for the penguins just finding someone in that middle six not even so much the bottom six our bottom three is fine <clears throat> it is that middle six situation that uh needs not not has to needs to get sorted out yeah this is a n-double-e-d need yes so nice to see teddy bluger back obviously excited to see what he's able to do and that line is able to do moving forward let's talk about the three guys because i mean obviously that is the main storyline coming out of this is the fact that the Penguins played well, but they ended up having to bench three players, two of which are supposed to be two of their better players. I mean, one of them was not supposed to be, but he's kind of stepped into that role. And the three players are Dominic Simone, Evan Rodriguez, and Kasperi Kapanen. They were all benched in the third period. Kapanen got out there for a post-power play shift that looked like it was all of five seconds long before they decided to switch lines and they said no captain you get back on the bench like we don't we don't want you out there like it, it, literally he went out for two seconds they dumped the puck in and he came back in and that was basically the only time that i remember seeing kasperi captain what did you think whenever you noticed that these three players were being held off the ice 
in the third period of game where the Pittsburgh Penguins needed a goal. There's just no more faith in them. <clears throat> there is not. There is no more faith in these guys. I, me and you lost faith in Kapanen a long time ago. I mm-hmm. think you held on to Evan Rodriguez a little bit longer than you should have. Um, I still, regression... I, I still have faith in Evan Rodriguez, but we'll talk about that. Oh. Continue. Oh, I just can't anymore. The regression to the mean is gone to me. And Dom Simone, I think Dom Simone, we can wrap up in. He's still kind of in minor league call up situation. Correct. Mm-hmm. We're waiting on Zucker to return to fill him out. Mm-hmm. We're we're waiting on anything. Maybe Drew O'Connor to get called back up for Simone to be Simone. The conversation is pretty cut and dry, and just he's the minor leaguer that's here. Mm-hmm. Nothing much we can do about it. It's not like he's playing with Crosby like he did. This isn't two, three years ago whenever we're having the discussion of why is Dom Simone playing on the first line and doing this. Yeah. No, he's playing on the fourth. He's filling in. That discussion's easy. As for the other two, I think the Evan Rodriguez one is a little, also a little quicker because I think he just shocked the world <laughs> yeah. in the beginning of the season. And then that was it. If, if we had Evan Rodriguez on this skid, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. Um, if he was doing that all season, well, we're not having this discussion. It's just another day at the park for Evan Rodriguez. Yeah. But no, it's because he shot himself to the moon with scoring at the beginning of the season that now that we see nothing from him, he raises expectations. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And I think that was part of our discussion of the regression to the mean is he got our expectations so high that whenever he does this, we're going to be angry about it. Mm-hmm. And now we're angry about it. But the thing is, my thought process was, I didn't want Evan Rodriguez on this team in the first place before the season. Mm-hmm. No offense to Evan Rodriguez. Seems like a great guy. Phenomenal player this year before the regression happened. You love seeing what he could do. You love stories like that. But now, again, shoot him to the moon. <laughs> out of here. First rocket out. Elon Musk, you got room? We have two seats. We have two people that need seats mm-hmm. because of... Contestant number three, come on down. Welcome back. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the man, the more or less the myth of, of Kasperi Kapanen. Mm-hmm. He is a myth anymore. He's the, the idea of him scoring a goal, the idea of him, oh, sure, he p- picked up an assist somewhere along the way this last week. Yeah. Congratulations. That's bound to happen at some point. We're not here for assists. I mean, cool. Yeah, good. You're helping contribute. And that's what we want to see. It's a starter sustain something and maybe score a goal at some point soon please yeah when it comes to being done with players i need to see the effort i need to see that you're close to scoring i need to see that you're doing the right things i see that in evan rodriguez more so than i see that in kasperi captain now erod he has you know the regression and the skid it is awful like there's no sugarcoating it he has one goal and five points in the last 25 games played that's pathetic That is really bad. After having 30 points in your first 33 games played, having one in the next or one goal in the next 25, it's it's borderline unacceptable. The reason that I think he got benched on Tuesday is Simone is a replacement level player. Sullivan didn't trust putting him out there. Kapanen, Sullivan, that was the that was the circle of this. I mean, when they asked after the game, who's the guy that Sullivan brought up? Kapanen needs to step up. He's included in that. Because not only did he get benched, he got demoted and then benched. Like, Jeff Carter took his spot 
on the second line and then Kapanen got benched. And whenever you saw the fact that, okay, we don't want Kapanen out there. We don't want to double shift Jeff Carter. We don't want to double shift our, I mean, we're already basically double shifting the first and the second line with Carter up there. So you know what they said? Scrap the entire third line. Erod, Simone, and Kapanen. Of these three, I have the most faith in Evan Rodriguez. And even if he is a third line player for this team moving forward, who it doesn't matter. I mean, depending on if he gets traded or not, which we'll talk about that. If he's still on this team post-trade deadline, and he's on the third line with Jeff Carter and let's say Jason Zucker, I'm okay with that. Because guess what? That's basically what you had last year with Freddie Gaudreau. Maybe, I mean, right now he's on a skid, but the skill-wise, he is on par with a guy like Freddie Gaudreau. But Kapanen, on the other hand, that's where I have the issue because he is supposed to have been good. We've at least seen Erod be good at some point this season, that first 33 games. Kapanen has been so bad, and what makes it even worse is over the weekend, that back-to-back against Tampa and Carolina, he showed me something. He showed me a little bit of effort. He showed me that he wasn't dead on the ground. He had something left in him, and he had some really good plays. Now, he made some mistakes as well, but still, he showed me a little bit of drive, a little bit of hunger, and then Tuesday was so beyond bad. The first period was so beyond bad. He came out in the second period, and he was so pedestrian on a line where Malkin and Heinen were putting a lot of good opportunities together, and Kapanen, again, would just ruin the entire shift. They'd get something going, and then number 42 would touch the puck, and everything would be over. And that is why you look at that, you think, okay, he had a chance to build off of something, to build some confidence, and then he had his worst performance of the season. That's why I'm done with Kasperi Kapanen, because he continues to regress. Evan Rodriguez is starting to play a little bit better, which is why I'm not done with him yet. But Kapanen has just been so bad for 58 games. 57. He had a hat trick in one. He's been bad for 57 of 58 games, and he has now been less than pedestrian on a line with Evgeny Malkin. That can't happen. So when we ask this next question, which of these players are you comfortable with being in the Penguins lineup come playoff time? My answer is only one of them, and that's Evan Rodriguez, and that's if he is on the third line with Carter and Zucker. That's the only way I'm comfortable with Evan Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean, my answer is none of them. I, I figured. If I had to pick one, I would say Rodriguez too, just because he looks like he's driving play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have those uh, advanced stats numbers with me, but he looks like he's driving play at least a little. It looks like he's giving some attempts and making opportunity, whereas Kasperi Kapanen's DOA, dead on arrival. Do you want some hard fact numbers for you? Speaking of numbers for Kasperi Kapanen, mm-hmm. because since his last goal, which by the way was January 23rd, Snow was on the ground on January 23rd. Now I get Snow is back in Pittsburgh today, but that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, he's played 17 games. It's a minus six. Okay. Uh, we, we we all know zero goals. Yeah. We all knew that one. Yeah. What? But only two assists. I was about to say, what, two assists? Two. And they came two games in a row. Now, I'm pretty sure they were secondary assists as well. Most likely. I think the one definitely was. But just what? Yeah, that one definitely was, and if I get quick here, yeah, da, da, da. oh no, that was the first one, the first goal in the Tampa Bay game to Danton Heinen. Oh, that's right, because yeah. I remember there was a couple of tweets that said, is he back? No, very far from it. Well, the thing with that is, and that's why I said, okay, there's a little bit of life, is usually he's been pulling up, and in that instance, he drove to the net, and he shot the puck on net. Like, he actually attempted to attack 
the net front instead of pulling back and looking for help. He didn't pull. He didn't pull the emergency handle, where he, which is what he's been doing all season long, and that's why I was excited about it. But then you look at Tuesday, and he was right back to the same old things, and that's why I'm done with him because he continues to do the wrong things. He can't build on a good performance because he goes back and reverts to the wrong things, and that's why I'm done with Kasperi Captain. His cap hit is not great. He is an RFA at the end of this year. I wouldn't bring him back. And honestly, if you can trade him for, and you said for a bag of pucks, I would at trade him. Point, I would trade him for a skate sharpener. Yeah. I, you're, we're coming down to the wire. We're getting down to playoff time. Sure, we're going to make the playoffs because the East is just set in, not set in stone, but set in the same, set in with the eight teams. Basically, yeah. It's a matter of placement. The thing with, the with teams going forward now is you want the guys in the lineup that are going to give you the best chance of winning. Casperi mm-hmm. Kapanen at this very moment, Evan Rodriguez for that matter too, for, for now, at this very moment do not give you the best chance of winning. That is where you need to draw the line. Who, I think I texted to you, I'd take Brian Boyle over, over Kasperi Kapanen at this point because at least there's some sort of play driving there. Mm-hmm. Um a minor league call-up might have more opportunity to you know pot one or two here and there in a matter of 17 games mm-hmm. than Kasperi Kapanen. Just, you want guys in your lineup that are going to give you the best chance to win the game. Kasperi Kapanen is not doing that. A bag of pucks, sure, isn't going to do that either. But at least with a bag of pucks, you can get some practice out of. Yeah. At least with a skate sharpener, you know your edges are going to be nice. Mm-hmm. With a draft pick, at least you know you got a future to, to hold on to somewhere, right? Yeah. At this point, what does a draft pick do for Kapanen, though? Because draft picks in, the, in this day and age, we're all, as Penguin fans, if you can remember two years ago, we're, we are holding on to Poulin and Lagare. We're saying from our cold, dead hands, you're, 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 you're getting these, these two. And now, all of a sudden, we're like, screw it, win now. Just the, watching the way the fan base has swung so quickly. I mean, I might be on that train too, in that swing of let's win now because I want to see us win. But at the same time, can we hold on to one of them to have some sort of hope for some sort of future here, have something fun to watch? I don't know. It's going to be an interesting team in five years. That's a discussion for five years from now, though. Mm-hmm. But just how quickly this fan base has gone from that to that, and I don't know how I got here. Just there's a lot. I missed a lot this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's but the... I'm all about getting rid of Kapanen for literally nothing at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure that's the Pens poll for Monday, right? It is. It is the Pens poll. All right, for next then Monday. I will hold on to the rest of my the rest of my thoughts. Yeah. So, and I'll say this to close out the discussion about the game against the Florida Panthers because I think we've we've dove into it a little longer than we probably should have. Kasperi Kapanen looked slower on the ice than Zach Aston Reese. That's enough said. That's that's where we were at on Tuesday. So with, uh, with much worse analytical numbers. Exactly. So uh, let's move on and talk a little bit about the trade deadline. Of course, the big news on Tuesday when it comes to the trade deadline was that Vancouver Canucks assistant GM Derek Clancy was at the Pittsburgh Penguins game scouting the Pens. Rumors have had it that the Canucks could be interested in John Marino or even Evan Rodriguez, who we've talked about a lot here. Of course, we all know that general manager Jim Rutherford, or former general manager Jim Rutherford, now president of Hockey Ops in Vancouver, loved Evan Rodriguez. He also loved John Marino enough to give him that five-year, $4.5 million contract. So we know that there's a history with the management in Vancouver and these certain players, so it makes a lot of sense. Now, 
Rumors have come out that the Penguins could be looking to get either Brock Besser, and more recently, the rumor has turned into Connor Garland. So let's talk about all of these potential rumors and potential trades. Let's go down through what it is. I don't think you're going to get either Garland or Besser for simply Evan Rodriguez. Can we rule that out? Yeah, I think that's that's for damn sure, especially given the conversation we just had about Evan Rodriguez and his disappearing play. Yes. So we rule that out. Then you realize that the centerpiece of this trade for the Penguin side is probably a guy like John Marino. Now, before we talk about in the context of the trade, are you willing at this point to trade a guy like John Marino? I mean, he two years ago was heralded as the replacement for Chris Letang. Last year, he had a really bad season. This year, it's been up and it's been down. Are you? Would you be upset? Let's put it that way. Would you be upset if the Penguins traded away John Marino at this point? It's so hard. It's so hard because that's that's pulling the shoot quickly. Yes, I feel like it's that's very fast. But at the same time, like I just mentioned, we're in the mode of win now and get the guys on your team that are going to help you win now and forget about the future. Ah, but John Marino's that's so hard to so hard just to like jump ship with. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm very torn about it because. His regression year last year and his very roller coaster this year. But at the same time, don't you just love bragging? Like, hey, we got him for a sixth. And you know what team we got that pick from? We got him from Edmonton. That's so much fun just to gloat about. Yeah. <laughs> that you don't want to give him up for. Yeah, Connor Garland would be cool, but I mean, I mean, what's what's our defense? What is our? Yeah, we have a little surplus, but. Does the management and coaching staff trust P.O. Joseph completely yet? Friedman's been fun. Love that. Mm-hmm. Who's after those guys? We we know this staff does not like Yuso Rikula. He's not getting in this lineup. Mm-hmm. We know this. I don't know why we signed him for two years. Who do we have after that? Because really, the, the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Penguins have been fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. But we've seen both Lagare and Poulin get healthy scratched. I think the defense back down there has been the same situation where some guys are getting bumped to the first defensive pairing and then healthy scratch the next night. I haven't paid full attention, but I noticed that like Will Riley was on the first line down there after getting healthy scratched at one point. Yeah, It's not a circus, but it's wild down there to try and keep track of what's going on. So who do we have to really replace someone like that? If we're sending out John Marino, I want some sort of defenseman back that we can plug in somewhere. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Just because who do we have? Who does our coaching staff have faith in? The fans may have faith in P.O. Joseph. We may have faith in P.O. Joseph. We're not the ones running the ship, though. Yeah. We can, we can put him in NHL 22 all we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That does not translate to ice time in the actual NHL. Yeah. When I look at the Penguins' defense, I don't necessarily think they need to bring somebody back if they trade a guy like John Marino. They don't need a defenseman back because if you look at the surplus that they do currently have and you think of it as a win-now thing, I know that Hex, Stolenberg do have eyes out for the future, but I think trading John Marino could benefit you. I mean, it doesn't benefit your defense. You do take a step back on defense, but I do also think that if you look at the D without Marino, you have Latang Dumlin, obviously, as your top pair. That doesn't change. Marino's currently on the second pairing. He'd be gone. Matheson Pedersen wasn't great last year, but Mike Matheson is also much better this year than he was last year, and so is Marcus Pedersen. So you run a Matheson Pedersen second pairing, 
And then currently you have Friedman and Ruedel as the third pairing, so that just doesn't change. And you have P.O. Joseph. And then you do have Yusuf Rikula, even though the organization doesn't seem to like him, as an eighth defenseman in the playoffs, it's not a bad option. So honestly, I think for this year, you're fine. And I also think the flexibility of getting a guy who has four years and $4.5 million left on his contract off of your roster, that could also help as well. Because then in the offseason, you can bring somebody else in. You can do what you want with Mark Friedman. He's a, a, I believe he's a UFA at the end of this year. You have P.O. Joseph to ha- make a decision. He's an RFA at the end of this year. You have a little bit more flexibility. So I, I don't know. My, my brain's been kind of going left and right with this. But if you trade a guy like John Marino, and we'll talk about the returns. If you trade him for Garland, you're basically trading him for the same exact contract, except a little bit more expensive and a forward. If you trade him for Besser, you're trading him to essentially have cap flexibility this offseason, which... If we haven't already noticed, the Penguins are in desperate need of cap flexibility. So this could make a lot of sense. Now, do I think they do it? Do I think it's the best move? I don't really necessarily know if I agree with that. But do I think that it's a move that would help them in the meantime, currently, and help them a little bit when it comes to the future? Yeah, I actually tend to agree with that. I think if you can't get rid of Mike Matheson's contract, I think if you can't get rid of Marcus Pedersen's contract, I think if you can get rid of John Marino, that helps a little bit. You can't have all of these defensemen sign to four plus million dollars for a couple more years. If you're trying to bring back guys like Malkin, like Rust, like Letang, you're going to need to get rid of one of these contracts. And we always said it was Pedersen, it was Matheson, it was Zucker, but maybe it's John Marino and maybe the time is now. That's such a wild thought. I just think it's a quick shoot pull, but I see where everyone's coming from with it. Mm -hmm. I do. It's just a matter of what the organization has and what they feel about their defensive depth, really. Because we've seen P.O. Joseph get called up and then not play. We've seen Ricola get called up and sit around forever. Mm-hmm. We've seen Chad Ruidle break into the lineup. We love that. He's doing great. We signed him for two more years because of it. For cheap. For dirt cheap, really. Yeah. Good. And then... Mark Friedman, God, he's just fun to watch play. Let's just be honest. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much I don't know how much play he's driving or how much offense he's creating. Yeah, he's a blue liner, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But my God, is he fun? Yeah, <laughs> and that's what you love to see. I want to. When do we play the Flyers next? Uh, late. I hope Friedman. A little bit later this month, I'm pretty sure. I hope Friedman is still in our lineup by then. Yeah. So I mean, I'm okay with the thought of John Marino being on the block, and if it is in fact a John Marino and Evan Rodriguez trade and you get back a forward in return for that, then okay, that's where you're at. I do think there's still the the matter of figuring out what you're doing with Kasperi Kapanen, but still, I believe if you bring in Besser for Erod and Marino, that's the deal that I would want to make. Now, that is obviously the core of it. There might be draft picks, retained salary, all of that. There's obviously much more to the story than that, but if the core of the move is John Marino and Evan Rodriguez and their 5.4 combined million dollar cap hit for a guy like Connor Garland, who's four point, I believe he's 4.6 or 4.7 and Brock Besser, who's like 5.8. Then honestly, I don't hate it. Now, when it comes to the, the return, I would prefer Besser over Garland. I know you're pulling up the stats, so I'll give you a second to, to pull them up right now. But who would you prefer coming back right now? It seems like Garland is the front runner. But would you prefer to have Connor Garland, who is locked up for four more years at 4.95? Or would you rather have a Brock Besser on an expiring contract at 5.8? So in the current 
big splash, got to make the media happy, going to probably produce the most situation. I'm saying Brock Besser just because that's the splash. That's the big name. He was supposed to be the next big thing in Vancouver before Elias Pedersen decided to uh, welcome himself. Mm-hmm. Brock Besser was supposed to be the, the big cheese, if you will. Uh, so he's going to demand big cheese money, right? Do we still do we still think he has that kind of pull? I don't know. Or is he, he kind of fake? I don't know how much more money than 5.875 he can demand, though. Because he hasn't, I mean, he hasn't really, I mean, he's good. He, trust me, he's really good, and he would certainly add to the Penguins' top six. I'd love to see him with either Crosby or Malkin, but I don't think he's worth $7 million. I don't think he can demand $7 million. I might be wrong. But I don't think he's worth $7 million. And I also, and I talked to Doug about this this morning, Doug Gladkey of Four Checking TV. I don't mind if Besser comes in and then leaves. If he comes in and it's just for this run, okay, that's fine. That's cap flexibility. Hextall can go out and sign somebody else, or he could use that $5 million to help allocate to Brian Rust, to Malkin, to Chris Letang. That is the importance here that I really don't give a shit if Brock Besser is here past this year. That's fair. So as I do have the numbers in front of me now, I was looking at contract numbers, but so the last Brock Besser's never been a point per game player, by the way. Uh, He's always been under. And I feel like we've, I feel like Vancouver put him up on this pedestal pedestal that he, that he was, but then again, Vancouver was bad. He was the second guy there. He was the same. It was Bo Horvat. Then it was him. But now there's been such a rush of talent there, including Garland and, including Pedersen and Quint Hughes, that he's kind of taken and been put on the back burner. Yeah, so you may be right about the money situation because 17-18 in 62 games, 55 points. 29 of them goals. That's his career high in goals. Mm -hmm. Not bad. Just under 30. 18-19, 69 games, 56 points. And that's his career high in points of 56. Mm -hmm. And then we have shutdown years. You know, 19-20, hard to discuss. Yeah, hard to discuss 1920 because ended early. 57, 45 points. At least he's a playmaker, it looks like. But as of right now, in 52, 17 and 17 for 34. Yeah, I don't think he could demand that kind of money now. No. We feel like at the beginning, the way Twitter looked at him, he may have been able to pull off a big paycheck. Mm-hmm. I don't see him going north of seven either now that I really look at it. I haven't really looked at his numbers just because he's in the West. He's in Vancouver. I don't pay that much attention to him. But that's an interesting move. But otherwise, for Con- the Connor Garland part of the situation, the 4.95 until 2026, that's, that, that feels more like a Penguin pick, mm-hmm. doesn't it? The, the guy that's not as big and splashy, but you know what he's going to do. Play with Sid or Malkin and just blow it up. And you know what that's called? Mark Donk, ladies and gentlemen. But Connor Garland is a little bit more than a Mark Donk, clearly. When I look at Connor Garland, and this might just be, like I said, the, the week or the 10 days leading up to the trade deadline, I lose my mind because I think of hypotheticals in either direction. I think of players way more indeci- like more indecisively and more in-depth about certain players than I ever really should. But when I look at a guy like Connor Garland, and you look at his stats this year, I'm trying to pull him up really quickly. It's not working. But when I looked at them earlier today... I got you if you need them. I basically you, uh, saw... Or let me know what his, what his line is, because I'm pretty sure it's fairly similar to what Evan Rodriguez's total points line is right now. Yeah, it is, because in 53 games for Connor Garland, it's 14 goals, 17 assists for 31 points. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, he also, have to remember, before this, he played with the very not good Arizona Coyotes. Yes. He was, where he still put up 
almost 40 points. He was he was a very good player on a very bad team in Arizona. Now he is a pretty good player on a pretty good team in Vancouver. Now his numbers might not equal Evan Rodriguez, but I think you can count on Connor Garland to keep at a consistent level. Evan Rodriguez, like we said, had 30 points in 33 games and since has had 5 and 25. Connor Garland is at least spaced out his success this year, his goal scoring this year. He doesn't have a goal in March, but he had four goals in February. So he's at that level where Evan Rodriguez is, but he's a little bit more consistent. He spreads it out instead of a really hot spurt at the beginning and not at the end. When I look at Besser, I see a little bit more in the intangibles. I see a little bit better of a shot. I see a little bit better of a player. I also see a little bit better of a fit than I do with Connor Garland. Now, is that to say that I would be upset if Connor Garland came to the Pittsburgh Penguins? I wouldn't be. Do I think he is better than Evan Rodriguez? I do, and I think he's getting paid as such for the next four years as a better player than Evan Rodriguez. But when you're looking at improving this lineup, I think it goes a lot further with Besser than it does with Garland, and who knows? Besser might not even be on the table. That's why these are all hypotheticals. This is trade deadline, like peak trade deadline conversation. This might not happen, but because this is the only rumor we have, we're going to dive deep into it because it's exciting. But I would prefer, if I'm making the move, and I'm not, I'd prefer Marino and Erod for Brock Besser. That's that's what I think would benefit the Penguins the best, and I also think the Canucks would see that as a fair move, especially because their biggest thing is a defenseman in the 20 to 25 year old range, and that's that's John Marino, who's 24 years old and fits everything that they're looking for. So I think that would be best for both teams, but we'll see what actually ends up happening here in the next 11 days. And we know it's Bumbly Jim over there. Jim and Patrick Alvine. Knows this guy. Patrick Alvine's too smart to let Jim do something stupid. Well, that's the thing, too, is like it's not like either of these players and John Marino and Evan Rodriguez are bad players. Evan or Rodriguez. Strangers to those yeah, two. correct. They know exactly what they're they are. So I, I'm not exactly sure what's gonna happen with it, but that's the type of conversation we're gonna be having for this episode, both episodes next week next week, and of course. The Monday episode that we'll be recording in the peak of trade deadline. That's probably a suicide mission. But on Monday, March 21st, we're going to try to record it at a normal time at 1030 on a Monday when NHL trade deadline is, and it, honestly, it's it's peak form. So we'll see what happens in the next 11 days. We shall see. We shall see. I'm trying to look at my work schedule to see if I can work anything out on that day. But we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're actually on this episode going to cut right to shoutouts and callouts. We're going to record our response to the Sidney Crosby rookie year audiobook as a separate podcast. Just because we talked for 45 minutes already, we're not going to have a, a three-hour show. We're going to split these up. So when we come back from this commercial break, shoutouts and callouts to finish this show. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team to get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Again, promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Right before the commercial break, we said that we have axed the discussion on the Sidney Crosby audiobook. We will release that in a separate special episode for the Tip of the Iceberg. It'll probably come out. Honestly, Friday morning. That's what I'm thinking. This comes out Thursday. We'll probably release that out on Friday. But let's finish off this episode with our shout-outs and our call-outs. Horwat, mine are both related to movies, to be completely honest, before we even get into this. Because I've watched two movies this week. I've thought really a lot about one of them, and I've thought a lot about the other one. And one of them I loved, and one of them I hated. And honestly, it's going to be a fun discussion either way. So I'll let you start with uh, your shout-out. Cool. Uh, both of mine are hockey related, so I hope we're all uh, strapped in for more hockey talk. I want to shout out the Arizona Coyotes for not being on the shit list for once. Hey, Nick and doing one of the, yeah, I guess more or less. Oh well, yeah, that too. Um, but the Arizona Coyotes, and I guess it should be for Phil Kessel because it's uh, his time to shine here for taking in a shift to get his Ironman streak continued, and then boarding the Learjet to back to Arizona for the birth of his first child. Big uh, shout out, congratulations to that. But the Coyotes for. Uh, playing a man down willingly. Yeah, for this, saying your Iron Man streak can continue, and Phil almost scored. Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Um, just that's just fun stuff. That and, and the Coyotes need good news like that. They they need something good to fall back on. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that can't be your one story that you fall back on this year. But you know what? It for for this week and for this time being, nice little story. Now. You got Phil Castle with that strength. Best of luck to the Western Conference. Or the Eastern Conference. Or wherever Phil, he, he's or on wherever a trade Phil list. ends up going. He might, yes. be, he might be being traded here in the next couple of weeks. Can you imagine a one-week-old baby and you're like, yeah, you've been traded to Montreal. What? Ron Francis. Oh. Uh, uh, Montreal. But Ron Francis, his, his wife just he and his wife just had a kid, and he got traded to the Penguins to win two cups. Uh, yeah, that's right. So, hey, you know. We'll um, see. But yeah. But yeah, that was just a cool little story, and I just I'm imagining if Phil would have scored on that one shift. Oh, it would have been crazy. He would have. What if he would have scored, and instead of going down the line to celebrate, he just went straight off the ice, just went straight <laughs> down the tunnel, right there. He's like, oh. "All right, I'll be here uh, no longer." Actually, I wasn't going to say I'll be here all week, but I'm having a kid, so I'm going to be in Arizona in about four hours. Walks it off. <laughs> exactly. That would that would have been peak. But I love it. I love it. I love the fact that he is continuing his Ironman streak. I think we both agree that it would be much nicer to have Phil Kessel as the forever Ironman over Keith Yandel. So hopefully the guy keeps it up. Um, my shout out this week, one of the two movies that I watched this week and the one that I actually liked. And I'm 
actually not done with it. I have like five minutes left. It's 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 on my TV to my right. I'm getting ready to finish it. Um, Free Guy. It was just put on Disney Plus with Ryan Reynolds. I always looked at the, the commercials for it and the trailers, and I was like, that looks so stupid. I'm never going to watch it. And then they put it on Disney Plus, and I was like, hey, I have that subscription. And I had a couple hours this morning. And I was like, I like Ryan Reynolds. So here, let's put it on. And I actually had a lot of fun watching it. Like, it's not something that's going to be critically acclaimed, obviously. But it's... The way I can describe it is that the writers took the idea of the psychopaths that play GTA and obey the laws. Like, stop at the red lights, wait to cross the street, help old ladies across the street. They took that, and then they took LSD, and then they wrote this movie. Because that's what it feels like. It, it really does. I think it's a lot of fun. It's, it's literally a throw it on the background, have a couple laughs and do your work kind of thing. That's what I did with it. Ryan Reynolds' sarcastic comedy at its finest. There's sometimes it doesn't hit correctly. I thought it hit perfectly in this one. Taika Waititi was in it, who, if you're not a Marvel fan, Taika Waititi is the director, producer of Thor Ragnarok and upcoming this year, Thor Love and Thunder. He is hilarious. I love him. He was great in it. And of course, hilarious cameos from Channing Tatum, as well as Chris Evans. I had a lot of fun watching it. I never expected to. So that's why it gets my shout out. And I got to finish it as soon as we're done recording here. That's fun. You call it the uh, throw on in the background type movie. So it's it's like Family Guy, the movie almost. That's yeah, the but it's not really rated. It's not guy. like rated R. Yeah, it's interesting. It's fun. Uh, yeah, I have only ever seen previews, so I'm of no help to this movie. But yeah, I mean, a good recommendation I shall take. Yeah, there you go. Turn it on. It's so stupid that it's good. I love stuff like that. Also, the, do you watch Stranger Things? Okay, I was going to say the one kid from Stranger Things is also in it. Not the kid that doesn't have a collarbone, though. The, like, older, the older one. Not one of the young kids. The older one with the hair. I don't know what his name is. But, nonetheless, let's move over to call-outs, and I'll keep it going since we, you know, have the movie thing going already. I'm calling out Universal Studios for continuing to put out Fast and Furious movies. Um... <laughs> I love the Fast and the Furious. And I used to. Like, I should love say. that series. I used to love that series. And I finally watched the ninth one that came out last year at some point because they put it on HBO Max. And once again, I said, oh, I have that service. Might as well watch it. It was so bad. Like, it's one of those things that you watch it to see the train wreck. And I watched it, and it was worse than I could have imagined. I mean, let me ask this question, Horwat. What movie franchise is actually good enough to have nine movies? Star Wars couldn't pull it off. Star Wars had nine movies, and a lot of them were bad. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek is kind of long-lasting, and at least they flip in and out of characters mm -hmm. or actors, and at least they have a storyline that can last. What has happened to the Fast and Furious storyline exactly? Because that's one thing about all these movies is you need a consistent storyline. Correct. If you have same thing, rinse and repeat, it gets boring, it gets annoying, and then it gets unrealistic. The Fast and Furious has now become somebody attacks Dominic Toretto's family. Dominic Toretto wants revenge. One of the bad guys, by the end of the movie, is helping Dominic Toretto. The family wins. You rinse and you repeat. That's what it has been since the fifth movie. Since Dwayne The Rock Johnson entered it, they did that plot in Fast Five, and it worked so well that they did the same movie four more times, including keeping a character alive in the in the universe that has been dead now for six years. 
So this really is just like Star Wars with cars. Correct. It is <laughs> something where if you have to rely on bringing back people that you had killed off previously in your series, spoiler alert for anybody that wants to actually see it, first of all, there's something mentally wrong with you and hasn't, bringing back Han, bringing back Letty, three movies after you had already killed them. Not only that, but Han was killed in, in Tokyo Drift. He was then in Fast 4, Fast 5, killed at the end of Fast 6 because their timeline is off. It is horrific. Now, when I asked you what movie franchise is actually good enough to have nine movies, Harry Potter, but it only had oh, eight. Oh, I forgot about Harry Potter. Lord of the Rings, if you include The Hobbit, had six. Rocky had six. If you want to include Creed, it had eight. None of these have nine. And the fact that at the end of the Fast and Furious movie, they opened it up for Hobbs and Shaw 2, I absolutely hated it. I thought it was... I mean, I watched it. I'll. It's something that I will probably watch again and again when the new ones come out, eight months after the fact, and whenever it's free on a site that I already pay for, I will never go see one in th theaters. But the continuation of putting out these movies is absolutely horrendous by Universal Studios. And honestly, I'm going to say this. If they could bring back Paul Walker's character, they would. If oh, they could I'm rise sure. him from the dead and put him back in there, they would. If they could even do what they did in Furious 7, where they get his brother to do it, and then they CGI to make it look like him, they would do it. It is money-hungry. It is pathetic. And it's, it sucks because you knew me in 2015. In 2015, most of the bad ones hadn't come out yet. I loved the Fast and Furious franchise. It was my favorite movie franchise. After five of them. And then six happened, and I was like, okay, it's kind of getting bad. And then Paul Walker died, and I said, it's done, right? And then they finished seven, and the way that they finished seven and wrapped it up was fine. I liked it. I thought this was a nice ode to Paul Walker. Leave and let live. Fate of the Furious, now Fast and Furious 9, Hobbs and Shaw. They're setting up Hobbs and Shaw 2. Why? There's no reason other than Universal Studios is money hungry, and because other than Groot, Vin Diesel isn't doing anything else with his career. So... That is my... I, I went way too long on that Horwath. I apologize. But I just... Watching that, I was like, this is so stupid. Oh, and they even joked about it in the movie. Roman... It's, yeah. Roman now was it's like... Not... Yeah, Roman was like, hey, you ever feel like we're invincible? Like, all the stuff we do? We don't get injured? Like, he literally was in a pit. 13 guys shot machine guns at him. He goes, hey, look, my jacket has a lot of bullet holes in him. I don't have a scratch. Do you think we're invincible? And then him and, and Ludacris go to, go to the moon. Like... Come on. Also, ludicrous. This is ludicrous. Um, yeah, you ever know how like the joke, like the meme? It's funny until the until the the concept that the meme is about becomes self aware. Yes. And then they start pulling the meme. And they're like, "Hey, see, it's funny. I can do it too." No, it, that's when it stops getting funny. Correct. That's what they just pulled there. Yeah, this nine movies is a lot. Star Wars had the ability to do it. They just couldn't. They screwed up along the way and there were things um, that i thought were okay in the star wars nine movies obviously the original yes. trilogy is the best but oh well, yeah but still but things got screwed up along the way they could have made nine good movies they just didn't harry potter i totally forgot about i know they they had eight but they tried making a spinoff and i think they abandoned the idea after the first one didn't do oh no well. they, they they have a spinoff fantastic beasts is it's an entire thing like the, yeah it's like harry's kids isn't it 
I don't know who exactly it is, but they're on. They're gonna release the third movie, I believe, this year of that trilogy. Oh, they made three. Yeah. Oh, what every good movie. But they also had to recast uh, the guy for Johnny Depp's character. I think Johnny Depp's Johnny character. Depp. Oh. Johnny Depp was in the uh, second one. Grindelwald. Third. Oh, I don't remember. Anyway, I was a kid then too, back when Sidney Crosby was a rookie and Harry Potter was still being put out on book. Yeah, I. Uh, I haven't watched actually all the Harry Potters, but again, we're getting into it. We're getting into a rabbit hole that we really shouldn't have. We've been recording for a very long time today. Um, Horowat, what is your call out? Because I, we almost forgot that. <laughs> it's okay. And this one can kind of be interesting and quick. Um, but do you remember whenever I was defending the, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes for letting Nadelkovich walk and leave? You were defending I feel the Hurricanes? Very... Or you were attacking the Hurricanes? I was backing them up for not signing him big and long because he had only played yeah. 29 career games. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, sure. He's on the Red Wings now who are very not good, but he is very, very, very not good. <laughs> I was right. I'm calling you all out. I was right. <laughs> yeah, you want to have your um, victory lap. That's that's where, that's where what this is, huh? Yeah, pretty much. I, okay, yeah. Nadalkovich had a great rookie season. Mm-hmm. Sure. He, he Actually, sorry. He's still technically considered a rookie. But, uh, no, I, again, like I said, yeah, sure, the Red Wings aren't good, but he was good at one point during the season, mm-hmm. and now very much isn't. And Don Waddell and da-da-da-da, their GM, who is escaping me, they look smart now, because guess what? You can't just sign goalies forever and ever whenever they have 20 games of NHL experience, and they did okay. Mm-hmm. How many times have I said it? Andrew Hammond, who, by the way, welcome back to the NHL. And there's an immediately an injury. Yeah. Andrew Hammond, Victor Fast, I'm forgetting another one. But these guys don't last. Mm-hmm. They have their hot streaks, they sign these big long contracts, and then fall into oblivion. Am I saying Nadal- Nadalkovich is going to fall into oblivion? No, but he's just not good right now. And it's very funny that uh, people were just attacking the, the Hurricanes for not re-signing him big and long like he wanted. Mm-hmm. No, no, he didn't deserve it. Clearly. What's he making? $3 million. There's also a little bit of that, I think, that has to do with the fact that he's on the Detroit Red Wings, who altogether were good at the beginning of the season and are not good now. So either way, I mean, I'll let you have your victory lap there. We'll see what, I mean, goaltending is voodoo. He might come back next year and win the Vezina. Who knows? I, I doubt that will happen, but you never know. You know, if you're the Red Wings, you hope it does. But again, I don't think it will either way. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We will see you guys on Monday. We didn't even talk about Pens versus Golden Knights, but we will recap it on Monday's episode. So that's going to do it. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.